Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by Lillian Ong, author of Women of Courage, Breaking the Fear Barrier, a book about ordinary women with extraordinary stories. And I've asked her to join us here today to talk about her new book and help us all overcome some of the fear, the anger, some of the quiet desperation we might be facing in our businesses right now that we're not willing to share with anyone. So Lillian, thank you for joining us. How are you doing, my friend? Hi, Daryl. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, you having a good day? Yeah. Sunshine? Yes, very good day. Yeah, good. Now, you did say before that you were a little nervous, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that because you're walking the talk. You're a little nervous about the interview, but you're walking through it, just, again, um, embracing your own your own lesson, which is awesome. So mm-hmm. before we get into any of that, though, what's your background? Can you share with the listeners? Like, how did you get started? Do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Were your parents business people? Actually, I was a stay-at-home mom, and when I was younger, I do remember witnessing my dad uh, trying out different businesses. I think there's this entrepreneur spirit in him. Mm-hmm. I remember that during my younger days. But uh, no, I don't have any business background. Mm. I studied real estate management. I tried a couple of, uh, I, I mean, I went into the corporate world a couple of years, and then motherhood calls. <laughs> so... I decided because my son has a very bad eczema from scalp to toes, really infested with um, rashes. So, and I had separation anxiety. (laughs) So I decided to, yeah, I decided to quit my corporate job and became a full-time mom for seven years Mm -hmm. before an opportunity actually presented itself in the interior decoration business, which I had no experience as well. Really? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't even know how to register a company back then. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean I always wanted to I, I I knew that you know it would come a time when I want to go back to the workforce when you know, the kids are growing up. So I just took that leap of faith <laughs> and do it, you know, because my husband it, it wasn't opportunity that my husband and his friend they were looking into and they needed someone that they can trust to run the operation and and all that so yeah I was the best candidate so I went back to being a student Mm -hmm. (laughs) round zero I knew nuts about the business so I did my own research I went online to read up about sofa making, about designs, about everything and anything that I need to know about the trade. So I was like self, self-taught. Right, yeah. right, right, mm. right. Which is excellent. The self, self-taught education is phenomenal because, well, first of all, if you depend on the education someone else gives you, 
like a, a formal, a formal like university, I mean, it's going to be outdated, right? Things move so fast. You have to be a learner to be successful in this business. So that's awesome. Yeah. I really got my hands dirty. I mean, I go to the ground and I roll up my sleeves and, you know, ask lots of questions from the suppliers, the installers. I think they were like very irritated with me with so many questions. Mm. And so some of the biggest challenges that you faced in building that business? Well, the learning curve was really, really very steep because like I mentioned, I had no prior experience in this trade. Mm -hmm. So the greatest challenge was to first uh, to learn the trade, mm -hmm. to understand, you know, because there are a lot of uh, technical uh, techni technicality involved as well because a sofa is just not a sofa. There's a lot of components that go inside the sofa you know mm -hmm. from the foam to the spring to the frame what type of density there's tons of technicality to to actually pick up so I didn't have a mentor mm -hmm. I don't have a, a business coach to guide me so the learning curve was really very steep I mean I do have I mean in my real estate uh, study I do have a little bit background about accounts and you know mar marketing that sort of uh, subjects but again, in the real world, it's really quite different, different. from the theory. Yeah. So, and to juggle with them, because I'm a mom, so with kids to really juggle and manage the time, you know. So, yeah, that, that was pretty challenging in the beginning, the initial years. So how did you overcome that? You didn't have a coach. You didn't necessarily know what you were doing. You had some theory that maybe was, uh, you know, dis disassociated from the reality of the business world. You had time constraint because you also were a mom and had kids. So you kind of had a double work day. How did you manage all that? Well, yeah, that was a good question. How did I manage that? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't even know. I wonder that myself. <laughs> Well, I guess it's really prioritizing and setting my intention. Mm. You know, I, I was very clear with uh, what I wanted to do, you know, so to really plan out my time. You know, I spent a lot of time in the evening, in the nights, you know, uh, Googling and, and studying, you know, about the trade. It comes to a point where I had to actually engage um, support. You know, I engaged a domestic helper. Mm -hmm. You know, with the house chores, I you know I'm no Wonder Woman. I can't be <laughs> doing everything. Right. So I really set aside time more of the quality time with my kids. Yeah, and um, yeah, really prioritizing. Yeah, the you know to, with the time management. I love that you mentioned you got a domestic helper because I feel like a lot of people are afraid to do that. They're like, well, I'm not going to pay someone to do my dishes or do my laundry. I can do those things. But what's the value of your time and your energy and focus? And it's not even time management. It's energy management too, right? Like yeah. that's the other part. Like, okay, maybe you can do the dishes or maybe you can do the laundry, but how much energy are you going to have to come back to your business after that? And I think yeah. that that's an important thing a lot of people don't realize. For me, something that was really valuable was when I, I was actually in San Diego and I hired a vert, mm. I hired a, a, a lady to come and do my laundry and clean. And, and it was so powerful because, you know, she would come in for three hours, maybe once mm. a week and clean the whole place top to bottom. And I could have done that, but I would have preferred to spend my weekend off. And for a lot of people here, if you want to make $1,000 an hour, a lot of people listening, if you want to get to earning $1,000 yeah. an hour, then stop doing $10 or $5 an hour work. 
You know, like if that's something you can hire somebody else to be doing, then hire them to do it and focus on the higher level stuff. So I'm just glad to hear that. That sounds like that was a major breakthrough was maybe being able to spend money to pay somebody else to do stuff to free up your time. Yeah, I think that that, that was like everything. I was like pretty organized and, you know, but, you know, I having to delegate out and outsource, yeah, you have to accept Sometimes in our, I don't know whether this is our local lingo, but you know, sometimes we just have to close one eye or even close two eyes. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not being done in my way, you know. Yep, yep, yep. Well, one of my first mentors said that to me. He said, Daryl, everyone is going to be a beta version of you. So you need to make sure that you've got training and checks and processes in place to make sure people are doing things the way you want them and, and to manage mm-hmm. them by the objective not by the process. If they want to do it mm-hmm. a different way, let them. You know, yeah. as long as you're yeah. getting the end result, you know. So, yeah, yeah. I love that though. That's, <laughs> you got to close one eye, close two, both eyes. Yeah, and just hand it over. As long, yeah, as long as the end result is, yeah, that's more important. <laughs> so, what were, what were some of the other uh, challenges that you faced in this business? How long were you in that business? Nine years. Nine yeah. years, right. Nine years. I just exit uh, early this year, early right. 2017. Congratulations. Yep. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> successfully executed a nice priced exit, uh, sale of the business, and freed you up to now do this book and move on to other things. But in, yeah. in nine years, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced? You talked about juggling the time and learning the mm-hmm. trade, but in nine years, you weren't Googling you weren't Googling how to make sofas at the end of nine years, were you? You kind of knew it all by then. Yeah, I think later part of it really boils down to relationships with the clients and the suppliers. You know, after the initial the initial part infancy period was, you know, understanding the trade, the technicalities and all that. But after that, it's really the soft skills that comes mm. in. Yeah, building relationships. So because there were, I mean, I'm nobody in the trade, nobody knew me to be able to build a good relationship with my suppliers. I think that was really, that really helps a great deal mm. in moving the business forward. Yeah, a great support because uh, in interior decoration, uh, there's so many components from the window dressing to the wall coverings to the floor coverings. I mean, I have to deal with so many different mm-hmm. suppliers. Yeah, and of course, um, on one side is suppliers, on the and having repeated clients, I think mm-hmm. that really also helps a lot, because people people trust you, they will come back to you mm-hmm. for the services, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. learning also the other struggle that I had was to be willing to let go of, because I provide quality products and services, you see, so there are always people who negotiate and you know asking for discounts and things like that mm-hmm. so i must be willing to let go of certain to to be to be ready to walk away mm-hmm. yeah because i would not compromise on my quality and and you know my my, my branding and yep. yeah so so that was that was a bit challenging for me actually yeah because you know you need the cash flow and yep. <laughs> But yet, you know, you want to maintain that brand image and yeah. Yep. So that was, that was another challenge as well. 
So how do you how did you manage? How did you with so many different people? And it sounds like a busy workspace. How did you develop good relationships, especially if it's like a superficial level? You know, like in maybe they're not your friends you're seeing every weekend and that. I mean, how do you how did you build some of the you know, was there something you did on a regular basis? Did you how would you, you know what I mean? Like, how would you try to stand mm. out with the suppliers and your customers? Honestly, I I didn't really think about that. I, all I did was like just build a relationship with my heart, mm. just being real and really connect with um, my suppliers mm. and my customers. As for customers, I really um, try to understand their needs, you know, and find out what what is what what is their issue, and you know, it got actually got so uh, intimate as in they, they would share their, their, their problems, their family problems with me. Mm. It got to a stage where, you know, they're they are not just clients, they are friends. Mm. Mm. I love that yeah. you said that because one of mm. our previous guests on the show, people may, people may want to go check out the interview we did with him, uh, Drayton mm. Bird. He's had the uh, best-selling book, marketing book for 35 years in the UK. His book has been on it. And, he's, and in his book... One of the quotes that I love the most is the purpose of business is to, is to find a prospect, to make that mm-hmm. prospect a customer and to make that customer your friend. And that's what yeah. you just said. And so it sounds like, you know, through your self-taught experience, you managed to master some fundamental business skills there, which I think is amazing. That's excellent. Yeah, which I didn't know that's the theory behind that. <laughs> <laughs> I so, just like trial and error. <laughs> so but what be the heart? Yeah. Go with the heart. And what would you recommend anybody who's starting out or struggling right now? If they're in a place where they're feeling fear or they're just anxiety or they're uncertain about the future, you know, you've been there in nine years, you've probably been through some crazy things. What would you recommend? Actually, for in this era, the, uh, this generation for the aspiring entrepreneurs, they are very blessed to have a lot of a lot of technology and, and information and and coaches around that they can leverage on. Mm-hmm. I mean, which obviously I, I didn't have or I did not know how to tap into that. Mm. So for those aspiring entrepreneurs, you know, find out. You know, if you can get a business coach, go for one. And if leverage and technology, I I believe the younger generation, they are more tech savvy. Right. <laughs> I mean, I was an IT dinosaur and <laughs> I am still learning, you know. Um, so for those who have uh, this uh, technology background, I think they have an advantage. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I think the hard, the hard skill part, or, or what do you call it, is it can be learned. Mm-hmm. It, it, there are so much... Uh, resources available out there. For me personally, I feel it's the soft skill part that really needs some development. Mm. Yeah, because like people do business with you not because you are, you know, very good at it or what, but because people trust you, mm. people like you. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're. I think that's true. Especially like you say technology in today's day and age. Something like I just was speaking. Uh, actually, when we saw when we first met. I was in Singapore speaking, and, and mm. one of the things that I was presenting on, I had about a two and a half hour presentation I gave to a mastermind group, and 
uh, part of it, not the whole thing, was about keyword research. Because a lot of people take it for granted, or a lot of people don't even really understand how to do it. There's a lot of keyword research training out there, but I think people miss the, some fundamental components to it that matter a lot. And what I mean by that is, when someone goes to Google, like you talk about technology, like let's say that I was opening up an interior design store 20 years ago. We didn't necessarily have the internet then, or anything that was anything close to what we have today, what's available. But today, if mm -hmm. I want to get into that, I can go to Google Trends and I can put interior design into Google Trend Search and I can make the, you know, make the dates range the last five years and I can see the search volume by month every yep. year for the last five years. And the, yep. cr the crazy thing about that is that's people's thoughts, that's people's desires, that's the hunger. Mm -hmm. When I went to yep. Singapore, I looked things to do in Singapore. I searched that up, things to do in Singapore, but I'm not in Singapore now. So for most people, mm. if you think about it, if they're searching things to do in Singapore, they're probably new people and they're probably passing through or just moved there, right? Mm. Like if you live there for a few years, you're not going to be searching that every weekend or only a small percentage are. So if it, mm. Google tells you that there's 50,000 people a month searching for that, that's new, fresh people. That's like a river of hunger and demand that you could just yeah. get in front of and serve. And so that's a tool, an amazing tool. We literally can read our prospects' minds today unlike we've ever been able to before. So yeah. I think you're right that there are some things that give us a huge advantage. But the the, the other side, almost the catch-22, like you say, the soft skills are missing in a lot of today's mm -hmm. marketers or younger generation, or even just understanding the power of what they have, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I there's one thing I want to add though, like experience, mm -hmm. the, the whole experience of it, the service experience, because we can you we can really leverage on the technology, but on top of that, you know, is creating that customer experience. Mm. Because yeah, there's so many powerful technology available right now in the market, mm -hmm. but how do you create that experience for the customer? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's right create a customer experience that's mm. uh that's starbucks they that's what made them great they weren't just selling coffee mm. yeah they sold they sold a coffee that was two three times the price of their competitors because they gave you mm. an experience the nice the nice atmosphere the comfy place to sit down and work at least it used to be <laughs> yeah. now they just want you out there but yeah this customer experiencing is, I learned through my my business, like uh, from one, especially I will never forget her, you know, this one particular customer, she she meant she had actually went to five different stores, five mm. different vendors, you know, getting quotations and all that. And I'm one of the, the, high, the higher priced quotes mm -hmm. that she got. But she told me in my face, she said, Lilian, I come back, I come to you because I like you. I like your ex I like the way you serve and you know she just like me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and the whole experience of the the whole process and the whole experience is draw her back. Mm. The other companies that she mentioned they were all bigger names. They were all bigger names and and yeah they have their bigger strength, you know. I I was I was a new kid on the block. <laughs> yep. But you provide you were able to connect with her better in a way that others couldn't it sounds like. Yeah, so yeah, that that was that was uh, one takeaway that I I remember, you know. So now, what was I want to say? Like, do you feel that there are any habits that you developed over the nine years of running your business that really helped you be successful? We've touched some key things: building relationships, developing soft skills, creating a customer experience. 
Do you feel that there are any habits that you had, like on a weekly, daily, or monthly, or even annually basis, that you feel really helped push you to the point where you could build a business that you could sell and walk away from? Mm, I I have the habit of um, uh, reflection. Mm. You know, taking time to reflect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and find out what I did, what what worked, what didn't work. And yeah, and if what works, yes, I continue to build on it. What didn't work, I brainstorm with my team to you know find the brainstorm for ideas and how to how to how to move forward, how to make how to grow, how to make it better. So be consistent. I I I remember I was pretty. I mean, I'm still consistently doing reflections. Yeah. Mm. That is one habit that I thought is very important because we may always be caught up in the race and just go, just, you know, speeding through. But yeah, you you won't know that you're not doing something right until you crash. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's it's a good habit to take time out and yeah, reflect and and do a self-check, like a pit stop. Yep, yep, yep. And just kind of check where you're at. No, that's a good one. Yeah. Stopping, taking time to reflect because it's so easy to get lost in the busyness of the day or in worrying about am I producing enough? Am I keeping, you know, am I doing enough? Am I, you know, am I on the cutting edge? Am I this? Am I that? But just to stop and think and reflect and even just make sure that you're in sync and in tune with what you're doing. I think that's a great tip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So your book is a collection of stories. Is that correct? Mm. It's all these different stories of extraordinary women. What's one of your favorite from the book and why is it so empowering for you? Well, um, this book actually just give you a little bit background <laughs> that I actually had, uh, I actually struggled to embrace the title. Uh, it actually started with Woman of Courage with an A instead of an E. Okay. Yeah. So, but in the process, as I look around me, I saw that there are so many powerful stories. The friends that, you know, the, the friends that are around me. And that's when I started to uh, rethink about the title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to interview all these women and their stories. And the interesting thing is, the stories that I gathered, they they sort of flow nicely into the chapters that I was uh, planning, mm-hmm. as in my life, um, as this my seasons. You know, firstly with uh, embracing motherhood, mm. and then um, because I wasn't ready to be a mother, <laughs> I, mm. I I married young and I I gave birth young, so I I wasn't ready to be a mother in the process of uh, um, embracing motherhood and. When talking about motherhood, you know, mine was just having challenges with the pregnancy. It was a very challenging pregnancy. I just, I, I only got out of bed to, to throw up and to go for, for glucose drip and, and gynae checkup. You know, I was very weak. So most of the time I was bedridden. And, but the other ladies that I interviewed, they, are, they had um, reports of their kids, their babies, uh, diagnosed with Down syndrome or Edward syndrome, you know, or their their water bag actually burst, erupt, burst before the due time. Mm. So oh, no. they were at the verge of 
they were struggling with losing the baby before, you know, the baby was born. Yep. So, in comparison to to their, their experience, mine was like peanuts. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, always... In life, is in life is the same thing. You know, sometimes when we are so micro, we are so focused on our own problems that it seems so big. But when you start to listen to other people's stories, like, oh my, you know, why am yeah. I complaining? <laughs> yeah. What am I doing? I don't have anything to complain about. Yeah. Mm. So mm. of course, um, there's the motherhood, and of course, there's also uh, the courage to face adversity. Mm-hmm. So there are some who are facing illnesses, chronic uh, disease, and cancers, and you know, so cancer survivors, and different um, challenges in terms of the illness. And there's also um, a couple of them who face a. Uh, who are entrepreneurs, mompreneurs, I call mm-hmm, them. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And one, there's one lady that I was very, very inspired um, is she had to take over a funeral business overnight. She's actually one of our so rich woman ladies. Her husband was uh, sentenced to uh, almost close to 20 years uh, jail term. Wow. And he was running a funeral business. You know, it's like a man's Yep. men's business yep. but for her she had to you know the, the the crisis didn't break her but the crisis brought out the strength in her mm. overnight she got to take over the business and and she had to learn to bring the the corpse the the the, the body the deceased body and you know and the embalmment and all that it's like that's it <laughs> i was yeah, yeah i was like oh that's courage yeah. And she has very two young children. That's and I mean, there, are, there are people who can just, I give up, you know, or there are people who can't handle the crisis and they just jump, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they yeah, don't have the skill set to, they don't have yeah. the skill set to cope with that. So what did you, and through these stories of these women, what are, like, if people here are listening, because I mentioned this at the start, for a lot of business owners, you're not, it's not, business is a funny thing because... A lot of business owners are living quiet lives of desperation. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is they can't share their problems with anyone because it's just them. Like, mm-hmm. who are they going to talk to if sales are bad? Who Like, you can't call up your competitor and be like, yeah. hey, sales are down this month. What do you do? Because your competitor is going to laugh at you, you know, and want you to fail, kind of. And even if you're friendly with some competitors, it's friendly, but you have knives out. You know, like you're smiling, but you have knives out a little bit because everyone's trying to make, you know, more than the other person. And so you can't mm. talk to them. Your staff don't understand you because your staff are just showing up and collecting a paycheck. And then, you know, they just, they just want to go to, they just waiting to get drunk on the weekend. A lot of them, not all of them, but, you know, they just want to get their money and then, you know, go home and do their thing and watch their TV series and go on their paid vacations. And, you know, they're just waiting, counting the hours down. Your spouse, unless your spouse is running the business with you, they often aren't really in tune with what's going on. You know, they, mm. and they might even be adding pressure and putting more pressure on you. So it's mm-hmm. like as a business owner, you're really isolated and it's a scary place to be because, you know, there's no guarantee of a paycheck. There's no one to sue if you don't make any money that month. There's no, you mm-hmm. know, so for those people that are in that sort of situation now, what would you recommend? I mean, having talked to these people that are breaking the fear barrier, that are have these major things that they work through, are there any sort of tips that you can give the listeners for overcoming their personal challenges? Mm, okay, one thing I learned 
when I'm doing this interview is although these women, although they face different challenges, different types of challenges and adversity, but it all boils down to the mindset, how mm. they overcome it. Mm. And so if I'm going to link it with the business, yes, you just now you mentioned that, you know, yeah, if we are competitors, we could be friendly on the surface and all that. But we can actually, okay, there are two, two groups. One is I can actually connect myself with um, business owners who are doing different trades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yes, it may be different trades, but there are certain fundamentals that are the same. Mm-hmm. You know, just like just now I mentioned the different women, different challenges, but it all boils down to the same. It's the mindset. Yeah. So when it comes to business, yeah, I do talk to different, I do remember that I, t- I talk to uh, business owners from different trades. How, and I actually sometimes get some fresh ideas from them because, you know, we don't feel so intimidating or competitive because we're well, in different trade anyway. But, and, in, um, and out of that, we actually form power teams mm. because they're complementary. I mean, we, we, have, we may have businesses that can complement each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's one area that I found um, that I that it helped me when I talk to uh, business owners from different trades, and then also I do talk to people who are not from the trade at all, or not even business owners, but that is more of the mindset part that keep me sane, mm. <laughs> the sanity and. I mean, ideas, not necessarily we must get ideas from the trade. You know, it, sometimes when we just look around us, uh, I think ideas are everywhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. I yeah. mean, that's FedEx borrowed from, forget the name of the bank, but FedEx borrowed from one of the banking systems, their internal processes. I mean, people copy from other business mo- industries all the time, very successfully. If it works in mm-hmm. one industry, that's a big thing. A lot of people think, oh, but my business is different. And it's not. In a lot of mm-hmm. cases, it's not. A business is a business is a business. It's about finding mm-hmm. customers, nurturing and educating them to a point where they're ready to engage with you, uh, assessing mm-hmm. their needs, finding yep. the right fit for your product or service or turning them down. I mean, it's there's a lot of the same structures and framework there. And for anyone listening to this, there's no bean counter in the sky. There's no person that's predetermined how much money your business can and cannot make. It's really up to you, and it's about the industry that you're in. There is some things that are out of your control. Like if you were in the newspaper mm-hmm. business, when blogs came out, you know, like mm-hmm. you had to be careful because, right, that's going to – so there are outside forces that implement, but there's still – I mean, there's newspapers that have survived, you know, so mm-hmm. it's not like there's no hope and no options. So yep. there's just – it's it really is about your business model and how you've structured things and – how you, you know, and is it ready to scale? Do you know where your market is? There's a lot that goes into it, but it's not its not very different from industry to industry. So... Mm. You need to keep evolving. Yeah. And you mentioned mindset, and there was a great book mm. called Mindset, and it talked about two different types of people. And one was mm. uh, de- identified two different states of mind, and it made a clear case for, for these two definitions, and that some people have a fixed mindset, and so people mm. who have a fixed mindset, they live and they are something that happened in their past. So let's say, you know, in high school, you, I don't know, you were, you won the talent contest and that was really important to you. So you carry that with you for your whole life. 
as proof of your ability. And that one event in the past, that fixed event in time, you draw confidence from for all your future events. But the flip side is, if there's an important event that you fail, then all of a yep. sudden that defines who you are. Yep. And then you, and it can be cra it can be, it can be shattering to people and it makes them afraid to try and reach bigger. But then there's another group of people who have a growth mindset where they don't see failure as a fixed event. They see it as a learning process and the yep. fixed event. People have an opportunity to grow more because they understand that, Hey, if I do this a hundred times, I'll be way better, better the hundredth time than I will be the first 10. And I'm, you know, mm -hmm. I'm just not there yet. Maybe I need to be, you know, some new training partners. Maybe I need a new coach or mentor. I mean, you mentioned, yep. mentor, mentioned getting a business coach or mentor before. That is so important because no one's mm -hmm. made it to the Olympics without a coach. Not, I don't think there's yep. a single person in the history of the world that ever did anything at a world-class level without a coach. Mm -hmm. None of us really ever figured out how to ride a bike without someone kind of helping us, you know? Yep. So that's, that's a really important thing. So I think that that mindset piece is, is really important because... So many people defeat themselves. Like the world is full of opportunity. I, here, yeah. I just want to, sorry, I'm, I want to rant on this a little bit because we live in such an amazing world of abundance. Last weekend, my girlfriend and I went on this great, amazing tour in El Nido. Beautiful, like snorkeling with these amazing fish. I mean, crystal blue water, white sand, amazing, amazing tropical paradise. And you know mm -hmm. what? We didn't have, we didn't have to pave the road from where we live in Palawan, Puerto Princesa. We didn't have to make the road from here to up there to El Nido. We didn't have mm -hmm. to figure out how to make a combustion engine and how to design a van and a car. We didn't have to like build the boat that we, you know what I mean, that we went on. We didn't mm -hmm. figure out how snorkeling works and how to make goggles and fins. We didn't have to figure any of that out. When mm -hmm. we were there, we ate delicious food, meat and veggies and fruit. And none of it did we have to grow. None of it did we have to kill and prepare anything. It was all just provided for us. We live in mm -hmm. such an amazing world of abundance. Right now, you and I are talking from across the ocean. Do you know what I mean? Yep. I, didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't design the internet. I didn't figure out how to make a headset that would convert my voice into ones and zeros and send it across the globe. They're like, it's just, yep. it's, but people often don't. They focus on the scarcity. And the problem is mm -hmm. if you only focus on the scarcity, where your focus goes, your feet follow. And that's yeah. why the mindset, like you mentioned, I just wanted to explain it because I get it and I know what you're saying and I think it's brilliant. I really want to mm -hmm. explain it so the listeners get it. Where your focus mm -hmm. goes, your feet follow. So if all you do is focus on the negative, your feet are going to fo follow that. But if you keep your mindset, and it's not just about, you know, there are no weeds, there are no weeds closing your eyes. Like, no, there are weeds. You got to kill them. You got to, but your mm -hmm. focus needs to be on killing the weeds that are growing in your garden. Or if you just ignore them, they're going to overtake everything. So you can't ignore them, but you have to have the right mindset about it you can't be defeated like oh every time i pull out a weed a new one grows up no it's a battle that's mm -hmm. the whole thing you know you wake up yeah. and it's a battle and that's it's you got to enjoy the process so anyways yeah. I, i'm gonna give i mean it's your interview i didn't mean to take the mic there but i think that's a really important point that mindset because mm -hmm. when i had yeah. my martial arts school i would see people lose matches before they even started because they yeah. would get up and they would look at their opponent and they would just like mm -hmm. you'd see their body language they would just shrivel and then it was yeah. like they just kind of sat there waiting for their opponent to beat them. But they didn't think mm -hmm. that. If you interviewed them and asked them, they wouldn't say that. But if you looked at video footage and you knew what to look for, you would go, yeah, they were really like their head was down. They were averting eye contact. Their shoulders mm -hmm. were in. Like, you know, they were not confident in that. Yeah. yeah so I think that's, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. There was a book that I read that it's called Battlefield of the Mind mm -hmm. by Joyce Meyer. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, it's amazing that, you know, she listed down all the types of fears that people may have and all the limiting beliefs that people have. And that's what crippling, you know, um, those who, like you just now, you said, Daniel, may mention the fixed mindset. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can't move forward. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. If you get stuck, you're just stuck. So Yeah. And, yeah. And nobody really knows the meaning of it all. You may have a faith you follow that gives you answers. But the truth mm-hmm. is, is I mean, even the Bible or the Quran or, or the Old Testament or whatever your your book is, the mm-hmm. Bhagavad Gita, it's all been passed on orally. And if anyone's ever played that game Telephone, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes the small details do change. And so there's no real way to know what's going to happen until we get there. And so all we know is that right now things have two states. Grow, they grow and they die. There's growth and decay. Mm-hmm. That is it. And that your job is to fight as hard as you can to stay on the growth side and be mm-hmm. as healthy and to be as far away from decay as you can. You know, and that's got to be, you have to be have a growth mindset. You can't be like, oh, I stubbed my toe. My toe is now forever busted. Like, no, it hurt, whatever. Pick yourself up. It'll feel better mm-hmm. in a couple of days. Keep walking, you know. Yeah. And, and as you keep walking and you're going through all the experiences, all these experiences accumulated, they have become wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I like what Janisha always reminds me, you know, Lillian, the, your, the wisdom is within you. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, I don't have to be fearful, you know, the wisdom is within me. I go through all those experiences. They are not, they are not in vain. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the greatest mistakes that you see your friends and maybe other entrepreneurs that you're around? What are some of the biggest mistakes you see them making? Stubborn. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Stubbornness. I think, yeah, like um, just now we mentioned about growth and being um, willing to change. There are some people that I see that just, just, just refuse to change, you know. Like for me... Going from offline to online, you know, it's, it's a scary thing for me. I mentioned that I was an IT dinosaur. I'm not tech savvy. But if I don't change, I'll be obsolete, mm-hmm. you know. That's yeah, right. so I, I, during the furnishing business, I saw a lot of uh, businesses that closed down mm-hmm. because they just refused to change. Yeah, and they just hold on to the old ways of doing things. Right. Yeah. Yep. And that's partially because as technology, like, it's not even just the technology that changes, but people, Mm. problems are markets. So interior Mm. design, someone has a new space that they want to design. They're having an event. They're hosting a business conference or they're staging a house to sell. They have a reason that they want to design the space. They just had a baby and they want to design. They they need, there's a problem that they need to, to solve. And a lot of it is around designing the living spaces. Either people, space people live in temporarily or long term, right? Or they're settling in. Yeah. And that's a problem yeah. that you solved. But people... The techn- people want to solve problems bigger, better, faster, stronger. And so that's what happened to newspapers. They forgot what mm-hmm. problem they were solving. And they thought they had a monopoly over delivering wads of papers with stories that had advertising in it. They're, they thought their business was selling advertising to businesses. Mm-hmm. But they forgot about the end user, the people reading the newspapers. And so as soon yeah. as blogs came out, I mean, that's why the businesses, that, the newspapers that survived, they became user-friendly really quick. Hey, let's deliver yeah. these news stories to you online in a format that's easy to digest and better real time, more up to date. 
you know, in a more consistent schedule, don't necessarily need to wait 24 hours, because blogs are like real, and they're pers people's personal stories, you know, and so that's, yeah. that's where problems are markets, and so I love what you say, like, they're stubborn, they won't change, and the problem is, is like, if you're selling, you know, fax machines, I don't, you mm. know, that's not, that's a dying industry right now, you know, yeah. like, it's not a good, and if you won't change, if you're not willing to get on with smartphones and computers and 3D printing and the internet and that sort of thing, I mean, yeah. you have, where are things going? You know, what yeah. problem does your product solve? Are you still solving it the best way? Is somebody, yeah, so that's that's yeah. extremely powerful. Even during, I mean, because I studied real estate, so like what I can relate to was like even the developers, they 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 have to see what the market trend is like mm -hmm. there so there was a period of time where you know smaller apartments were in highly in demand so you know they won't be stubborn and continue building big apartments mm -hmm. and, yeah there was one time i remember the the shoe box apartments and and as the the trend shift you know they shift mm -hmm. so you just need to catch the wave and yeah, if you just remain stubborn and refuse to change, then... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, it comes down, at the end of the day, it's about serving people what they want. It's about helping people yeah. with their problems. And that's a really common thing. And it kind of goes back to that keywords research stuff that I mentioned before, just because mm -hmm. a lot of business owners just want to do what they want to do, and they mm -hmm. don't think about the end user and how they're going to benefit from it. And that's, when you look up the word entrepreneur in the dictionary, it says a person who organizes a business or businesses. What it doesn't mm -hmm. say is the person who answers the phone, mops the floor, does the bookkeeping, cleans the mm -hmm. toilet, you know, makes mm -hmm. the sign, does the taxes. It doesn't say that. It's a person who organizes mm -hmm. it. So I've yeah. been recently encouraging a lot of my clients to think of teams of income as their business. Mm -hmm. Don't just think about a business. Think about having a team of income. A team yep. where the you know everyone gets together to solve a problem that one person alone can't solve easily. Yeah. And that, yep. that team collectively can charge a higher fee than any one person could. And then it's shared. Mm -hmm. And the person who organized the team, they're the captain. That's why they get the largest share because they're the reason why the team even exists. And to think mm -hmm. about business more like that and not as something you do because then you're too caught up in what you do. And uh, it's just a revelation I've had recently, something I've mm -hmm. known, but there's different levels of knowing. You know, mm -hmm. I've worked a lot of teams, but something that I'm really getting, really getting on a deep, deep level, like a gut level, mm -hmm. and I think that's important, so. Right. So how was the exit of your current business? I wanna ask about that. How was the process? <laughs> was What were some things that you learned through that? If anyone here listening could potentially benefit from it. Was it a scary experience? Was it fun? Was there anything that you would do differently? Well, okay. First of all, this I, I sold the business to an interior designer. So he, he was looking to expand his business. So my, my business was a really great uh, jump start for him because everything was there, the infrastructure, system, database, everything was in place. So he just, it's like just extending a, a different department for him. Right. But um, what was um, challenging for me was that like, it was my baby, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I really want to grow the company, the business to another level. But, you know, I, I honestly, I'm not an interior designer. I, <laughs> I'm not an interior decorator. And so I do see some limitations on myself. But that does not stop me from preventing the company from growing. I don't want the company to stop growing because of 
my limitations in in certain capabilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so being willing to let go and let the company grow, that was more of a emotional and psychological <laughs> right. struggle. Yeah, in terms of the paperwork and all that, yeah, please do get a lawyer. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Get the experts in 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 all the legal uh, legal matters um, because there are so many that questions that I do not know I do not know what kind of questions to ask in the first place because mm. I've, I've never sold a business before. Right. So having an ex- experts uh, advice helps and it helping me to see the different scenario that may happen if this if this doesn't take place what happens you know. Right, 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 right. So, get get some legal advice. Get some legal advice. That's a good tip. That's really a good tip. If small businesses can really get yourself into trouble, yeah, I think it's best to get everything black and white. Yeah. (laughs) Right, yeah. Two two lessons there, that um, businesses use contracts. Like you said, it's in black and white. It's very clear. That way there's little confusion. And the other thing is, is that by going the cheap route, instead of just paying for it, like often if you, if you knew the hassle it was going to be to try and save a few dollars, you would understand the value of expertise. Yeah. You know, if you knew that it was going to be, like you said, that you were going to get ripped off, that you were going to have to try and sell it and have four, five, six, seven, eight, nine buyers come through and you're going to waste all that time and have to start over again and again and, you know, because you didn't know what you were doing or because you didn't consider how uh, complex it might be. To just pay that check and, you know, just write that check and just have that be taken care of. Yeah. Again, it comes back to that abundance thing. People don't think about what they're saving or what they're preventing. They think about what they're spending Mm -hmm. and that anxiety. So really powerful, really powerful. So, Lillian, you've shared so much with us, and I appreciate how candid and honest you've been with your story. We talked about even how you got started from from having to teach yourself the entire Mm -hmm. business to some of the fundamentals that helped you build it to some of the challenges Mm -hmm. that you faced and had to overcome and your friends have had to overcome to some key Mm -hmm. principles that I think would be valuable to anybody at any stage of business, things to focus on, things like we talked about, hard skills in Mm -hmm. the beginning, that that's 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 a price of entry. If you're cleaning carpets, you have to know how to clean a carpet and take out all these kinds of stains. But once you have those skills, success is really about the soft skills, building good relationships, mm-hmm. uh, creating a customer experience, not just mm-hmm. selling something, but creating an experience for people, uh, developing someone's mindset or developing your own mindset, your staff's mindset, how that can be a limiting factor for every, all of us. And how having a support network of people to rely on, if that's a business coach, being willing to pay for that, if it's a lawyer, if it's friends that you can turn to, but having something in place. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? Wow, you have a lot down. <laughs> that, yeah, you, you have covered most of uh, what I've said. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's my, the problem I solve is people only have a limited amount of time. So how can I take mm-hmm. your nine years of business experience and pull out the, the gems so someone can mm-hmm. take them in an hour and go and apply them to their business? That's the problem mm-hmm. that I solve. My goal is to make sure every interview people listen to, they have actionable things that they can do right now, that they can delegate to their staff, that they can go out and buy right after, that can move them forward mm-hmm. towards their goals in their business and their life. So I appreciate that. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. I think it was fantastic. If people want to get involved, her book, Women of Courage, Breaking the Fear Barrier, Ordinary Women with Extraordinary Stories, it'll be available early 2018. Um, is it is, is there is it going to be like everywhere, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, the whole gamut? Um, yeah, I'm working on it. So Amazon is definitely one of the options. Perfect. Yeah. You can look up the author, Lillian Ong, L-I-L-I-A-N-O-N-G. And again, yes. the name of the book is Women of Courage, Breaking the Fear Barrier, Ordinary Women with Extraordinary Stories. Lillian, thank you so much for coming and sharing with us today. I really appreciate you coming and sharing, and I know we've helped some people. And uh, just thank you, because you didn't have to do this. You could be doing other things. So thank you for stepping through your fear at the beginning and sharing with us. Thank you so much, Daryl, for this opportunity. <laughs> You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.